video podcast. <laughs> Who better? I'm your king of bad taste. <laughs> well, kiddies, with that, here's your hosts to put a bad taste in your mouth. <laughs> Welcome back to episode 164 of the Bad Taste Video Podcast. I'm Mike, I'm here with Grizz, and unfortunately, the Candyman may have gotten Anthony, or, <laughs> or worked it, one of those, I don't know. I told know. him Dude's to say that shit in the mirror, dude, I fucking, I told him, he don't listen. <laughs> he never listens to us, man, we said, hey dude, it's for real, this is a documentary, <laughs> this isn't a movie, and... Now, who knows? Who knows where he is? Is he Sans Anthony because yeah. of the Candyman? Is he is he in the Candyman's uh, nightmare urban legend world, or I is he working him, in Manhattan? I picture him <laughs> like wrapped up like a baby in a bassinet, like the baby that he took. And he's, oh my god! It's some like <laughs> it's like there's Anthony just wrapped up. Somewhere. <laughs> I think Anthony would look more like E.T. though if he was like in, if he was wrapped up in a blanket. So I don't know. But as you know, this week we are watching the 1992 Clive Barker slash Bernard Rose uh, urban legend slasher fucking masterpiece. This movie's fucking awesome. Candyman. Uh, like you know, it's it, it has sequels. It has now, a, it's not really a remake, it's kind of a reboot because Tony Todd is actually in the 2021 Candyman. I didn't see it, but I just know these facts because I watch YouTube videos on things like that. But, you know, what a franchise. I feel like it's a very underrated franchise. The other sequels aren't as oh, good as the first one, bro. obviously. But the good thing is, they do actually kind of go through the Candyman lore a little bit more in the other movies. You know, they give you a little bit more of the backstory and you get a couple more flashbacks, which is pretty cool. I like I, that. I, I hate the sequels. This is like one of like one of like the trilogies of horror films that I just don't think need to exist. The first one is so powerfully good and you know what is it like deeds of the flesh or some shit is the second one or something i don't know farewell, it's farewell, farewell to, the flesh. to the flesh yeah what a fucking horrible name but it's just like and it's dude they just like they just ruin everything for me in those movies like yeah they give you some cool like you know history and stuff but it doesn't it, the payoff in those is not as good as what we get in the movie that we're covering today do you think that's usually the case in a lot of these movies like these like if if the movie is super good it's a really good I guess kick off to a franchise you know they just kind of like they blow their load in that in that first one and it's hard to outdo it unless I, you're George <laughs> Romero yeah unless you're, of course <laughs> <laughs> then it's no problem but like no I think that's true man because it's especially for something I think like Candyman because uh, I feel like the success of it was probably not as as predicted as you know it, it probably was because it it's different you know this movie has it's it's very it's set apart from other slashers not just because you know like the oh it's it's you know the main slasher person is black in this instance which is very you know unheard of from other slasher films for the time that kind of sets it apart but it's also in this like urban environment that like makes it feel very different so i think that like you know the success of it 
put a lot of pressure on them to be like, oh, great. Now we got to come up with <laughs> with these sequels that the studio is demanding. And unfortunately, yeah, they sucked. But I have heard that there is there was like pitches for really, really good sequels to this film that never got made. And I always hear that and it bums me out. That's like a, a real problem where you end up hearing like, oh, man, like this is what the sequel was supposed to be. And when you actually see what they made, you're like, fuck, that sucks. Whose decision like, was that? Like, who the fuck dude, chose this over that? Like, who, in what fucking universe is that the right choice? Even with some of, like, the proposed sequels to, like, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th, you're like, holy shit, those would have been fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, oh, like, this cult is trying to bring back Freddy Krueger and all sorts of dumb shit like that. Kids fucking around, trying to, like go fuck with freddy in the dream world because he's all weak i want to see that yeah there, to me that would have been awesome even there's even instances where i can like think back where there's like the original idea for a film that was pitched is so is so strong compared to like the films that we've actually got so it sucks sometimes where like uh, a studio who's paying for the film will put their hands on it and it will mar it just a, a little bit in my opinion Hey, dude, what do you expect, man? Once they give you that money, you're owned by the studio. Unless you're a, a really, really, like, prolific or famous director, you're you're in their pocket. You got to do oh, whatever yeah. the fuck they say or they're pulling that funding. Especially if it's something kind of weird, you know, where they're giving you a shot. And it's like, well, if I don't take this deal and do what they say, I'm probably never going to make this movie, you know, which which kind of sucks. And that's the case with a lot of movies that we watch. Where it's oh, like, if sure. you're not able to pay for it yourself, you're like, you're in deep shit. You got to do whatever the fuck they tell you. If they want rewrites, guess what? You're rewriting. If they want reshoots, guess what? You're reshooting. It is kind of the cool thing, though, about the show that we have here and a lot of the movies that we do watch. Because we, we tend to watch things that are covering the entire spectrum of film. You know, for instance, we're covering Candyman here, multi-million dollar film looks amazing the script is amazing it, it it's a solid honestly 10 out of 10 film and then we'll watch things like we watched last week like 555 which is truly like the opposite spectrum of filmmaking oh yeah and it, it's cool to see how uh you know the, obviously this has like a studio behind it that has a little bit of uh of a hand in making it and stuff and how much how much more you get out of something like this compared to the independent side of filmmaking, which this was only a, a couple years after 555 was made, honestly. And, and the quality and everything about it is just night and day. So that's the best part about this podcast, in my opinion, is was we really we try to cover all of the basis of like the, the horror film industry that we love so much. Because, like you know, from going to fucking 555 to covering Candyman is it, like such a jump and shit man well dude what do you want to do you just we can we could stick to doing the low budget no budget shot on video stuff which it's a lot of fun we like that yeah. stuff i have a collection full of that shit so do you you know us. we yeah yeah that's that's the stuff we really i'm not gonna say grew up on because uh, obviously it took a little time before no, we start it, to learn about that it's shit the stuff Unless i grew to love Unless it's um, Tempe Video stuff, which I've been watching since I was a kid. But uh, don't <laughs> the ask next me how the fuck, has been your fucking go-to yeah. forever. Don't don't ask me how the fuck that happened. That was just by chance. But 
you know, we grew up watching movies like Candyman. We grew up watching movies like Friday the 13th. We right. grew up watching Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, Day of the Dead. You know, this was the entrance for us. So This is what makes us well, horror fans. Yeah, so why the fuck wouldn't we cover this stuff too, you know? Plus it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of it's a lot of material that has a lot of background. You get a lot of how, why, when, where where people may not know this, but when we're covering certain like Todd Sheets movies or I mean Tim Ritter, we we just ask him. We just and he tells us. Yeah. But like, <laughs> you know, other other directors, there's no information out there. So it's very hard to like really get a feel of everything when there's just nothing. You go you go on the IMDB and it's just blank. You try to find other shit and cuz we we have books. I have tons of books on this stuff and there's like a paragraph and it's just a guy fucking giving his review basically. You know, it's hard sometimes. So when we're able to kind of do a movie like Candyman, where there's tons of information out there, there's tons of connections to other things, it's fun because you're seeing it through the the lens of two fucking mutants also. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's not like we're some highbrow fucking film critic, art student type shit. It's like, nah, we just take everything for, you know, we, we just take it as it is and we just go with how we feel you know what i mean we've been we've been pretty lucky in the sense that we have been able you know we cover some low budget stuff and we have been able to uh to talk to some of the directors some of the actors directly through uh facebook and instagram and stuff like that uh and for all these people that you know we've been able to reach out to you know like you said tim uh leaf yonker and stuff who have been extremely helpful and giving us some information about their films that they've made uh, I have literally 20 to fucking 50 messages that I've sent to people that are unread, seen and yeah. unresponded. You know, it's 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 not lack of, of footwork. It's just, you know, these people sometimes they don't even want to fucking be associated with the films that I'm asking them about. They've moved on. This was something they did in college that they're fucking ashamed of or whatever the yeah. case may be. They have a, a professional business life now. So it's 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 crazy to see, and I like that aspect of it too because it's like I'm doing some like investigative work about you know well where is this person now and like oh they're fucking working on a dock in Oregon or some shit with a family now so it's kind of <laughs> it's a cool circle uh, to dig into all the way around but it's uh, <clears throat> like I said that to find the information on some of the stuff we do is is true detective work yeah yeah and sometimes we're able to complete the task other times. Not so much. <laughs> Sometimes I, I mean, we hope you can't tell, but you know. it's fun either way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have a good time either way. So Candyman 1992 has a very unique feel to the movie that the only thing to me that comes close came out three years later. And that was Tales from the Hood. And, you know, I'm not just saying it because it's supposed to be two like inner city fucking like movies that have to do with you know, gang violence and all sorts of shit like that. Like living in, you know, the projects, living in the hood, this and that. For some reason, this movie has a very similar feel to me. And I don't know if it's because the score also kind of has like a similar vibe to it and oh, everything. Glass and and hearing it, that, for sure. yeah, like hearing that over like the inner city type, um, b-roll this and that like it, it just has this feeling that 
it, it's awesome to those me. soundtracks really are good. very similar i never really thought about that before and, and they do have like a, a very similar feel to it you know apart from the obviouses that you've mentioned but like i think it does have a lot to do with the soundscape that's created in both of those movies yeah like it's this like urban fucking desolate it's, it's not only scary in a horror sense but i mean joe schmo that's coming from idaho would probably be terrified to right. walk the streets in a place yeah. like this you know what i mean like most people don't have the chance to walk through any sort of like real big inner city project area walking past these fucking like buildings like this and stuff and you know i i grew up in new york i was always in the city i know people that live in these areas you're walking through these areas it's expensive to live in some neighborhoods so you end up getting pushed into the ones that aren't so good <laughs> and you know it's like a crazy feeling when you go through and i couldn't imagine also having a supernatural killer involved while also like living in this fucking hard ass life you know it's just what what a setup for a horror movie you, you know, know? I can, like there's I, no I can escaping really, it i can really relate uh, growing up, you know, in my high school class of 50 kids and, uh, you know, the cornfields and the cows that we had, it, <laughs> it truly did remind me of the scenes that you're painting right now, Michael. It's, it's beautiful in my mind. The, the one, the one abandoned building that yeah, had a the broken one desolate window. building. <laughs> old man wilson ran and he, he wouldn't let you in there it was, it was a great time in life there was a broken window in the candy factory it used to scare us sometimes oh, but shit. dude i have to say you know now they're starting to do you know they're doing it way more now but like urban horror is just so fucking awesome to me and especially 90s urban horror and even late 80s because you see it like with child's play when they go to the fucking hood to go see fucking willie right and they go like to see um who is who is the guy that was like the getaway driver and he goes back to get his fucking revenge you know and you see uh, fucking andy this little kid in this stupid ass like uh like a, a snowsuit type yeah, it has thing. a snowsuit on this, what it is. <laughs> yeah walking through this fucking hood ass neighborhood it's funny as hell and I really always liked that sort of scenery, that sort of setup, that sort of ambiance when it comes to horror. Because how many times can you, I mean, we love it. We love fucking camp slashers, but everybody gets it. The woods are scary. We fucking get it. Haunted houses are scary. But the average person, where the fuck are you gonna go to the, like the average person isn't going into the deep woods somewhere. The average person doesn't have like a big creepy haunted mansion in their town you know what i mean but you could probably drive a little bit or you know you may know an area that's a little rough and you could kind of relate to that you know you may not relate to living there but at least you kind of got an idea of what's going on yeah. you know the there's the enough stereotypes actual... and movies and tv that you people have seen that you have a general idea of like what they're trying to portray you know, with the, the characters and like the environment that they're showing you in these movies. It's yeah, a weird time I'm, period too. Cause like this time, like early nineties, like you're saying late eighties, early nineties, it's like really when this kind of thing developed 
like I'm trying to think back at like you know other things at this time period like what is it uh, like people under the stairs has like a, yeah. a very urban environment to it also and that's 91 I think that is so it's like that same time period Chud yeah, he- would you consider Chud an urban horror film well I guess I guess that would go with like street trash yeah, I guess that is too. I would consider Street Trash an urban horror film, hundred percent. What about what about Slime City? Yeah, I, 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 and that's the thing too. I don't think it has to be necessarily like an African American, like you know, based community for it to be like an urban, quote unquote, urban horror film and shit. Like all those things, it's it's the setting of of being in the city that gives it that vibe. Slime City, Street Trash, uh, Chud, all those things. Uh, even Basket Thriller Case. Killer. You know, Basket case, yeah, definitely. these are all kind of like urban horror films at the base of it. Now that I think about it, well, like, dude, Maniac, urban, hundred percent, dude, yeah. Like I just said, Driller Killer, another one. Uh, you could you could literally keep going with these things, but I feel like Candyman just has this other, like, it, it's not as goofy to me. You know what I mean? As a lot of these other ones, it's it's got more of a serious, I guess, undertone to it. You know what I mean? Like it's not as, um, it's not as campy. I, I, yeah, it's not as campy. Like it's not just like a slasher going around killing people for no fucking reason. It's not some like stupid fucking guy going crazy and eventually going on a killing spree and all sorts of shit like this is a legitimate like sad story that has a backstory that is also sad you know like it's it's crazy and it really does come across in the movie as like fucking it's it's it gives it almost like this crazy aura to the point where you would probably believe that this was a real urban legend I think what what helps you're 100% right and I think what helps that uh, is the is that this is based off of a Clive Barker story uh, Clive Barker's writing is always masterful like he he is one of my favorites and this feels this has the, the like the uh, I don't know this has just like the his style all over it and it has his seriousness that he brings to horror that I think you're talking about. Like, I think that if this story was written by anybody else and that they adapted it from somebody else, it, it wouldn't have the same seriousness and almost that same creepiness that, that Clive's writing brings to the table of these movies. Like this feels like this feels more like a Lords of illusion style, Clive Barker uh, writing than it does say like a Hellraiser style, but it has that like real fucking serious undertone that makes you like so invested because the story is so good you just get so invested in the film yeah and i mean i've never read the original story i do know that it's supposed to take place in england i know that it's slightly different i don't think they ever actually give the candy man uh, a race or ethnicity in the clive barker story but I feel like with most Clive Barker things, this is a great foundation. He always lays a great foundation for a story. You know, he's really good at creating the lore, at giving you something to work with. And 
I think that they did a great job in this movie and adapting it to 1990s, you know, inner city America shit that everybody knew was going on shit that everybody knew was a problem. Cabrini green, which, you know, that's where this takes place. That's a real fucking, that was at least a real fucking place. And it was real fucking bad. It was a, it was a nightmare place to live. So, you know, to mix the the adaptation, like you said, the adaptation is what's key here. Because the original, uh, you know, Clive Barker story isn't in Chicago and shit like that. It's in fucking like London somewhere. So like to be able to to adapt all of that and, and to create the movie that is Candyman that we know now, it, it really is a masterful thing that they did with, with this film. Yeah, and I feel like they actually made it. I mean, like I said, I didn't read the original story, but I could not picture that you know original piece being as powerful as this movie no way this this is one of those things where the movie is better than the book it it is and i think it's because this movie apart from the book this movie touches on such a such social statements and such like uh things of like just uh of what is justice in american culture at this time that it 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 really holds like it's like a timepiece of 1992 and of the early 90s that it 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 just transcends being like oh here's a fucking horror film i think Candyman is like a a, a milestone in society dude i'd love this fucking movie you know what let's let's just hit the trailer and let's get into it because i i just i want to start talking about the actual know, movie sh- the actual <laughs> fucking movie let's do this <laughs> Have you ever heard of Candyman? And if you look in the mirror, you say his name five times. In cities everywhere. Candyman? They whisper his name. Right. Candyman. It's just a story. Candyman. Candyman. Just a ghost story. Candyman. An entire community starts attributing the daily horrors of their lives to a mythical figure. The legend first appeared in 1890. He was attacked, mutilated, and burned to death. Poor Candyman. Helen, a woman died in there. Leave it. Everyone knows he isn't real. That's modern oral folklore. Everyone. Except Helen Lyle. Where did I... Safe around here. That don't scare too easy. Well, no Belvoothy, Jane. They ain't never gonna catch him. Who? Candyman. Who is that? I came for you. Do I know you? Now she is about to discover. Helen, get out! Get out! What's behind the mystery? What's behind the legend? Listen, he's under the bed! And most terrifying of all... Come with me. What's behind the mirror? He's here. Candyman, you don't have to believe. Just beware. 
Candyman, 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 Candyman. God damn it. There's no mirrors here, bro. There's no mirrors here. I'm good. I'm fucking good. Uh, I had to say it five times, just like the movie. So, like I was saying, this is based on a fictional urban legend, which is kind of a combination of Bloody Mary and like the fucking, like the hook uh, of, uh, you know, what the hell would you call that one? Like the hook of fucking hookup heights or whatever. The one that likes, like Ernest is telling and fucking Ernest goes to camp. And he's like telling all the kids around the fucking fire and shit. <laughs> well, they're, making, they're making out and they hear like a scratching on the car. Yeah, I love but, it. But really it's more of like a Bloody Mary type thing. Only you say the guy's name five times, he appears and fucking kills you with his hook. So why the hell would you ever say it in a mirror? I really? never they're understood. Like, really? yeah, I never understood those like urban legend challenge things. It's like... Then, then why fucking do it? Like if that's the outcome, it's not like they're so, gonna come and like bring you some cool shit. It's not like a 50-50 so, chance. So I I don't believe in ghosts, right? I don't At believe all. in that shit. No, I worked in a cemetery. I worked, uh, you know, I've been in funeral homes, fucking been in the morgues, did all that sort of shit. Been around tons of dead bodies. Been around everything you can think and of. That like wasn't that. working, so that's even crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just bought an axe this weekend. Yeah, and no, it wasn't. <laughs> um, well, that dude, the guy's like, oh, somebody's going to. I, I, I'm literally going to the hardware store this weekend to buy an axe because <laughs> I, I had to chop some roots up and shit. And the guy, I'm wearing a mortician shirt as I'm fucking buying this thing. I look crazy <laughs> as fuck. And the guy's like, oh, somebody going to have a campfire tonight? And I look at him dead in the eyes and go, nope. <laughs> and he just, he didn't say a word after that. Just rung me up and that was that. But, um, you know, I don't believe in ghosts or anything like that. Dude, I've never done the Bloody Mary thing. And I will not do it because I am so crazy that I would just fucking end up making myself go nuts. Thinking that I'm like, hear it and see it shit after that. I I just can't. I can't do it. It's that whole thing about like being on the edge of like a cliff, like a really tall cliff. It's like, I'm not worried someone's going to push me off. I'm worried about myself jumping off. It's like, (laughs) I'll drive myself fucking crazy before somebody else does. For sure. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I will not do it. I'm sorry. Just one of those things. I, I've I've learned things from these fucking movies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care if that if they're fake or real or whatever. I'm Your just, head I'm not will gonna, play tricks on you. 100%. I am not tempting fate because you know what? My luck, it's like for some reason the house I'm living in is fucking actually cursed. <laughs> and like this is the one. This is where she lived. Like, like, you the know what? First Fuck. Bloody Mary victim in fucking the Fuck century. That. Yeah, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. But, you know, the people in this movie, they think it's all a joke. They right? They all say it, they all do it, they all think it's bullshit till that hook comes a calling, right? And uh we get a lot of we get a lot of hook scenes like that. But what's what is your favorite? urban legend grizz what is what is your absolute favorite oh there's a lot of good urban legends out there i I think my favorite one and it's probably one because i believed when somebody told me when i was growing up was the old kentucky fried mouse legend that is real probably dude it has to be you know like someone's oh i went and got a bucket of chicken and it was dark and i was driving home and i was eating the chicken and when i got back i saw that 
it was a bunch of deep fried mice or some shit like that in the bucket that you were eating. That's I like that just because like at the uh, the gross factor. I like the old uh, the headlight flash too out on the highway. I always That's... do when I, when I was younger. I used to do that to people to fuck with them just to like. <laughs> <laughs> See if I can scare people and shit. That was a now that's a thing, dude. I I used to hear about that. You know, oh, it's a gang initiation thing. They'll fucking run you off the road and kill you. That's but what I always heard ever, too. But have you ever heard of that actually happening to Not somebody? Fucking once. <laughs> no, no, no. I would have to say my favorite is probably like the killer in the back seat. You know, where like the truck driver's flashing his lights at the woman, you know, and uh, she thinks like something's going on, like he's fucking with her and she finally pulls over and like all that shit. And like she gets out of the car and the fucking truck driver's like, do not go back to your car like there's somebody in your back seat. you know, like there's he's trying to, to me, warn her, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like to me, that shit is fucking awesome. Would scare the fuck out of me. I do check my back seat just in case. You never know. Uh, I learned that from Child's Play 2, right? That's Child's Play 2 where he comes <laughs> yeah. out of the back and strangles the guy with the bag. Oh, my um, goodness. That's a great one. Do you have any local ones from the Buffalo area? Oh, man. I'm trying to think like off the top of my head, man. And I, it's tough. Not to like really jump out at me. I'm sure we have some like, you know ghost stories and shit like that but i can't think of any like urban legends i mean being out where you were from like long island and stuff originally i'm sure there was like fucking ton of stuff out there dude tons of shit one of the biggest ones from where i used to live uh there was this place called sweet hollow road and aka mount misery it was it's two different roads one is actually got a sign that says mount misery on it but the reason why it's called Mount Misery is because back in the day, that was like a terrible place to uh, try to drive your horse-drawn wagon. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was very Misery. difficult to, yeah, it was very difficult to traverse. But it turned into this whole urban legend thing. And there's Sweet Hollow Road, which is actually the like the next road down. There's like a cemetery on it, and there's an overpass, and there's a whole thing that like, oh, back in the 60s or the 70s or whatever. A couple of kids hung themselves from the overpass. I like and if this. You go under the, and if you go under the bridge and you turn your lights off at night, and you, when you turn them back on, you'll see them hanging from the overpass. Now, that's something that we do. We did that shit all the time. Try it, for was, sure. Yeah. There was another one where they said if you turn your lights off and you put your car in neutral, this is how fucking dumb people are. They don't understand uh, any sort of physics or anything. If you're... if you go, you turn your lights off under the overpass, and you put your car in neutral. The ghosts will push your car forward. There's a great in the fucking road. There is, yes. It is it's probably so slight, you can't even see it. You probably can't fucking feel it. But there's Dude, a gradient, it. I promise you. That's it, that's it. So there's tons of shit like that. There's um, also on that road, apparently there was a Mothman sighting. Oh yeah, Mothman, so, that's a big one. We do have That's like a, a there's like a place like North Java as uh, like a little town up here like near Buffalo. There's like a creepy cemetery there and there's like an urban legend about like the hellhounds that are there. And across the street from the cemetery is like a big like fucking, you know, 1800s house, super old. 
And the whole urban legend is that there was a doctor there that used to perform abortions illegally before it was like a clinical thing to do. And anytime that there would be like a, a, a problem where the woman would die, uh, they would basically discard the bodies in the pond in the cemetery across the street. And they fucking busted this guy eventually because they found all of these bodies in the pond and stuff like that. So supposedly... Uh, the cemetery is haunted with the ghost of all of these like dead mothers and stuff and like people have seen like hellhounds there like these dogs with red eyes and shit and that's like the biggest thing that I could think of off the top of my head that we have locally that's like an urban legend I, I don't believe that's any of it I don't think there was ever a fucking doctor I think that's all it's a great story bullshit. but I, I, yeah. I, I you know there is a house that's there that is across the street from the cemetery it all lines up it's a good story there is a house by the cemetery. cemetery. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to play the theme song there. Okay. So Candyman, urban legend in an urban environment. Fucking awesome. Right. So now this, you know, Tony Todd playing the Candyman. Awesome guy. Awesome fucking actor plays uh, the Candyman. What's his name? Daniel Robitaille or whatever. Yeah. Great awesome amazing now the whole thing is is that he has to basically keep people afraid or at least believing in the lore for him to be powerful to him to gain strength sort of like freddy krueger it's gonna say it's very freddy krueger-ish for sure and it's very easy to fucking scare the shit out of people i guess in this fucking area uh cabrini green was a real um project in chicago was a real fucking terrible place really you know a lot of violence a lot of gang violence a lot of drugs until they destroyed it you know they they eventually knocked it down um it was still terrible when they filmed the movie there was like problems the van apparent one of the production vans got shot at on one of the days like crazy stuff and in this movie, you have uh, Virginia Madsen's character, Helen, basically going there to try to prove her college master's thesis or a doctoral thesis. On urban you legends. Have this, yeah, on urban legends. And you have like this like white bread fucking girl going with her friend uh, Bernadette to the hood. And like, it's just nothing but problems the second she fucking shows up. But dude what a fucking awesome story where this girl helen i don't know if it she is the reincarnation or she just looks like the candy man's like bride not a not his bride but he got this rich guy's daughter pregnant back when yeah cover, know, the, cover the candy man story so that they, i think that's a good idea just to give like the basis of like what the candy man is Okay, Daniel Robitaille's dad was, uh, I guess, an entrepreneur of some sort. He got rich off of post-Civil War shoemaking, figured out a way to mass-produce shoes, made him rich. So Daniel Robitaille was not poor by any means, grew up in upper, I guess, as high of society as, you know, African-Americans could at that time, went to good schools. He did all the things that I guess you would do in, in that society. situation. Yeah. Um, he was actually a painter. That's where he excelled. 
and people would hire him to do these portraits of his, their families, family members, all sorts of shit. So this super rich guy has him do a portrait of his daughter and he falls in love. Well, they fall in love Knocks and he up. ends up getting her pregnant. <laughs> and in this time, it wasn't very acceptable, I guess, to have some sort of interracial relationship. And the dad hired vigilantes, I guess you could say, to maim him and kill him. So they cut off his fucking hand. Right, they cover them in 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 honey from the bees, the beehive, the apiary. That's close. Yeah. You know, I didn't know what an apiary was until this weekend, and it had nothing to do with uh, Candyman. Just, Just coincidence. Like, yeah, like I I saw something somewhere in like a pamphlet and it was talking about like an apiary and i'm like what the fuck's an apiary <laughs> and it's like where, and it's like a beekeeper thing so they end up basically having all these bees sting them to death and this is the formation of the Candyman legend and in the later movies you actually get to see like the the you the know scenes play this out. thing happen yeah this yeah. thing happening which is pretty cool which i wish they would have did in this movie, but, you know, whatever. You, you can't win them all. Now, Virginia Madsen, her character Helen Lyle, looks like the love of his life. The Candyman's, you the know. daughter that he knocked up. Yeah. Yeah. So now I want to know, is she like the reincarnation of this girl? Or <sighs> just like he look, she looks like him. So uh, she looks like her. So he's like all about this. There's that's a question I have too because there's definitely like obviously there's some supernatural elements you know happening within this story and shit like that for this all to be in a reality. So like I'm thinking is she the reincarnation or is she like you know just I don't I don't know like is she somehow still her just like continuing on throughout time and stuff like that and like he's found her again. Like, I had the, all these questions of a backstory that I make up for myself, I guess. Like, you know, has Candyman been, like, trying to follow her ever since kind of a thing? Is, like, you know, is she cursed from the situation also? There's, there, I don't know. That's just kind of, like, my own, obviously, <laughs> made-up shit, maybe. But <laughs> a real uh, Mummy Returns type deal, right? Oh, nice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Similar plot. Um, one thing that I do really like about this movie is in the beginning not, uh, well first of all the first shot of this movie is awesome that like overhead helicopter shot where they use the special lens that basically allowed you to do these tracking shots from a helicopter but you didn't get the vibration of the you know the flight the chopper yeah <laughs> yeah apparently apparently this was like some sort of big deal back then where now you could just send up your fucking 500 dollars drone and do this Forget about it yeah, but uh, that that's an awesome shot. But you get a sequence or a scene containing Ted Raimi, actually. I feel so bad for him, dude. Oh, my God. So he just wanted to get laid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you get like this preliminary backstory of the Candyman, where it's this girl babysitting this you know neighborhood kid, and she calls her like not her boyfriend no just the guy she messes around with yeah and of course it's ted raimi who looks great in this movie he looks awesome here probably the best and ted uh, raimi's ever looked honestly yeah, right stud stud <laughs> 10 out of 10 and um 
she's like messing around with him in the bathroom and she wants him to say the Candyman thing with her five times and he only says it four times and he'd like he knows you know I'm not not around. doing it and uh, she goes okay go downstairs I, I got a surprise for you and he's downstairs waiting for her, like all goofy looking right he's got the big smile on his face <laughs> drinking a beer and she, yeah and she <laughs> says Candyman once more and what happens you hear her scream and this is all coming from I guess like a college age girl telling the story to uh, Virginia Madsen Helen Lyle you know and apparently Candyman not only killed the girl but killed the baby too so this is something else that kind of is gonna ongoing thing yeah yeah he has a thing for killing kids I guess also um but Ted Raimi's character survives, but his hair turned white, right? Went crazy from all this shit. And that's another thing that later on in the movie, you're going to have this, you know, the little black kid starts telling the story to <laughs> oh Helen. God. And he's, dude, he's cute as fuck, this little kid. He kills and, it too. Holy yeah. shit. He's such a good actor for his age. He's telling the story to fucking Helen. And it's about like this mentally challenged kid that got his fucking dick cut off in this <laughs> oh bathroom. Oh my god, I know. And they said it was the candy man and like, oh, this tough guy went in and when he came out, his hair was white as a ghost. Like it, it just, oh, I love how they just keep connecting these stories like an urban legend would. The myth, you know, where, the myth continues. Yeah, where they're slightly different, like twists on the stories but they retell them throughout the movie and i think that's really effective because you don't really realize it at the time until the movie's over you're like wait a second they told the story to us like fucking 10 times and it's always slightly urban legend and that's like the best part about it because this whole movie is based around that general idea of urban legends and what they are and like you're so right they actually like do this like you know textbook examination of urban legends throughout the film with the dialogue and like with the actions of the characters it's really fucking cool yeah like they're doing this thesis on urban legends and they end up getting wrapped up into one and they don't even realize it so wild dude it's so good and it's so subtle how it happens too like you just kind of slip into the story where Helen's like working on her shit in the office at the college and one of the cleaning ladies is like oh I know you're talking about Candyman I know somebody that knows about this like she like somebody was killed by Candyman no Candyman lives at Cabrini Green and Helen's like what and she brings in you know the the cleaning woman brings in one of her friends and she basically tells her how somebody living at Cabrini Green was killed by the Candyman and he came through the fucking um, like the medicine cabinet and that whole thing is based on a true story also that somebody like broke into somebody's apartment through the medicine cabinet and murdered them oh shit because yeah because like those types of you know buildings and you know even some of the shit in New York I've seen it if you pull that medicine cabinet out there's a gap in the wall you know, and they, they didn't actually, like, completely really? wall it off. Yeah. It was just... It, which is fucking horrifying to think about, that somebody Seriously. could just push that shit out and come and get you. But that's how the whole Cabrini Green thing starts. It's the cleaning lady just tells her, like, yeah, Candyman lives where I live. <laughs> it's 
it's like what <laughs> and i love that when she gets to uh you know so obviously she's gonna follow up on this information she gets from the cleaning lady so her and her friend go to like this super fucking dangerous projects cabrini green and i love what they did with this building in this movie uh all of the the graffiti all of it's about like candy and like being sweet and stuff like that but it's also like a double entendre to like drugs that they're selling there and stuff really fucking smart set design and i think that's probably one of the best things about this movie set design is fucking outstanding oh my god dude when she goes into that fucking apartment Oh, the, the, like the Candyman apartment? Fuck yeah. Oh my god, dude, that like Candyman fucking mural on the wall where like you see her looking through the one side, she you know, through tell. the medicine cabinet, yeah, into this like destroyed, rundown looking place, but they zoom like to the other side of the wall. Well, they don't zoom, but like now the camera switches to the other side where you see her coming through, but on the wall is a giant mural of Candyman's face and she's like coming through his mouth. It's It's awesome. It's so cool. And I mean, everybody, everybody's probably seen this movie, right? I fucking hope so. What the fuck are we doing? We could could talk about the ending also. Like right now, it don't matter. If you haven't seen it, you're you're fucked because we're spoiling everything. (laughs) Dude, at the end of the movie, after, you know, Helen meets her fate, there's the fucking mural of her with her hair on fire and shit. Dude, that is fucking so that's what makes me think that like like she's all like she's a part of this legend like she's always been a part of this legend she was meant to be yeah there was like paintings of her in there before when she was younger or when she was like you know back when before she was like who she is now and stuff so i feel like she is like and then he keeps saying you know don't you realize you know who you are like come with me and be eternal like live forever and shit like he's giving all these clues that like you are destined to be like forever like this is part of our destiny based on the things that we went through like this is what we have to go through now together throughout fucking life and i think that is like that's like that's what wrapped it up for me in the end was seeing her portrait that he obviously painted because he's the artist of her on fire and shit dude so fucking cool Here's a question. How come whenever somebody gets killed, they always become an evil spirit? How come they're never good? It's true, man. Because people fucking are evil, man. <laughs> well, like, why did, why did, why did, you know, I get like it was terrible what happened to Daniel Robitaille, but like, why do you have to become a bad guy? Right. I mean, was it spite, I guess? Like, she's out for revenge. So I guess that could be yeah, it. But why? But why? Yeah. Why? You, she just couldn't be a, a sad lover who dies. Because <laughs> a lover angel. I, I mean, I know that, like, they go into the whole thing with, like, the mirror later on with the Candyman franchise. Yeah. How, like, he, his soul is intertwined with this mirror and everything. I don't like that. But I, wa- I want to know, you know, at least with the later Nightmare on Elm Streets, they explained how Freddy became Freddy with the dream demons and everything. I want a little bit of that with Candyman. Yes. Who, I could go I with that. Who is the puppet master here? You yeah. know? What is like, the driving is, who, force? Yeah. Yeah, give me some of that. I want to know. So this is an interesting kind of like take that I have on it. That this film could be like looked at where you're not even like like Candyman is 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 a non-existent. uh, It's it's just more of like a metaphor for what's happening. So like Helen is is fucking losing her mind. 
and Helen is a psychopath with violent tendencies who is having blackouts with violent rage and she's doing these things, but in her psychosis is attributing it to Candyman, this urban legend that she's been studying. And because it's become so entrenched in her, like her psyche and she's losing her mind that it becomes part of the madness. So like she is actually a killer. She's fucking doing these horrible things, but attributing it to Candyman. I would say that's a good one, except the fact that somebody was murdered before she was even doing all this stuff. That the the woman was murdered at Cabrini Green. Right, but we don't have any way to say that she wasn't a part of that. We're assuming that she wasn't a part of it. She could have easily been part of her psychosis at that point. There's no proof either way. It still leaves it open-ended in my opinion. I don't know, man. I I don't think that that's 100% what they're trying to get at. I don't think that's like... Oh, Candyman should be interpreted that way. I could just see how, uh, after watching it so many fucking times and thinking about it so many different ways, that that's another way that I could see it being viewed. But that is also that's also part of the plot, though, that she's being framed by Candyman, where everybody actually thinks what you're saying that right. she's the one killing all these people, which really she's not. Like she's just being fucked over by this guy, you know? Like she's getting framed by fucking Candyman. Where, you know, in reality, if you were in a if you were in a place and a supernatural being killed somebody, how many times do we have to say this? You're in a house, a supernatural being kills somebody, your ass is getting locked up. They you're, you're, you, you did it. You ain't, you ain't convincing <laughs> nobody a ghost did that shit. You're done. But but you know it's awesome that they do in this movie. She's fucking locked up in the psych ward for like a month, and she gets out. By saying Candyman's name and the guy gets killed in the fucking room. Dude. And like they see it on the fucking camera. <laughs> the best kill in this movie is the scene you're describing right now. Oh my God. That is my favorite fucking scene in this movie where she's been locked up in the psych ward because everyone thinks she's crazy. She finally has this interview with the doctor for the first time. And, you know, everything's normal. And then all of a sudden, fucking Candyman shows up. Guts the fucking doctor, undoes her strap so it looks like she did it, and then the coolest, the coolest fucking exit of a bad guy of any fucking movie ever of any scene. This motherfucker just gets sucked out of the window backwards, like into fucking nothingness. It is my favorite scene in this movie. It looks amazing. But on the video, they see the guy getting fucked up, though, right? Like, they oh, actually yeah. see him getting where it's like a real Freddy Krueger thing, where it's like, what the hell is going on in this room right now? <laughs> I guess that that is what takes it away from the point I was making or, the, or like the sensibility that I was trying to get at, where it's all her psychosis, because they do see like an invisible fucking attack or whatever happening or whatever you know so that does kind of erase that that finally like brings it into reality yeah right like that ties it all together where she's not i mean we know that she's not crazy but now finally like these detectives and everything have to be like well she couldn't have done that she was just fucking strapped down to this goddamn table like how did this person just like levitate and get ripped apart you know brutal so like man there's something that always fucks with my head too about this movie. Uh, uh, put yourself in Helen's shoes and imagine you're, you know, you're in a parking garage and you see Candyman for the first time. You hear this fucking crazy voice 
which Looking is sexy outstanding. The, the first a- appearance of Candyman <laughs> in this movie, amazing. It's haunting yeah. as fuck. So then it cuts to this girl's apartment in Cabrini Greens that we've met earlier, who has a, a Rottweiler and a baby and shit. And it just cuts to Helen in a pool of blood. There's a fucking dog head. There's blood everywhere. She's got a meat cleaver. That, Baby's missing. That whole like cut to that scene is madness. Like, can you imagine blacking out and then waking up in a scene that's that chaotic? Oh my god. What do you even do, man? Like, and obviously you were there before the mom was because oh, she's like, what the fuck? Like going crazy. There's blood all over the baby's room. Right? Like the dog blood is everywhere. And you how intense is that scene? Knife. The, the oh, chick is dude, the chick is shaking the fucking crib. And like it, 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 that scene feels so real to me and visceral and like the emotion feels so real. It hits me every time I watch it. Slamming fucking Helen's head into the ground. Oh, and she fucking slams her ass with the fucking cleaver in the shoulder and oh, it's spraying blood. Oh, dude, that's such a good scene. Dude, that's fucking nuts. And I love the fact that basically the rest of the movie is Helen trying to like find this baby. Yeah. Right? Like, like try, yeah, like she didn't do this. She didn't take the baby. She didn't kill the baby. And something that's kind of amazing is um, the Candyman took care of this baby for a month. Yeah, was he changing diapers? Buying Gerbers? I guess so. Baby, <laughs> baby looked pretty good. Was he yeah, feeding well, the baby bees? Was, was the, <laughs> yeah, no, have some honey, baby. And he's just like <laughs> shoving it in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, like what the fuck? Right? Because like that's, it's over a month that she's away. Yeah, twice. Yeah, easily fucking a few weeks. And then like she has to go back into that giant like fucking wood pile eventually at the end, which is ah. nuts. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a weird ending to me. Like I don't know if like what it's supposed to s- symbolize because they burned his like remains at the end of it and stuff. At like after they chopped him up and fed him to bees and shit, they burned him in the front of everybody. So if that was supposed to be like, oh, it's like I, symbolizes yeah. the burning of him again and shit. But yeah, it was weird. I, I think, don't know, I don't care I, for that part. So to me. All right, here we go. I'm going to I'm going to fucking lay it on me. Ex- yeah, dude. I'm I'm like the fucking I don't, I don't know. So, Helen comes out of this like fucking drug fog that they had her in. She gets helped by the Candyman by him killing the fucking guy at the uh the psych ward. She escapes. She goes back to Cabrini Green, goes back to like the Candyman's fucking house. Go and he basically says if you give me your life, I'll let the baby go. And he's lying, of course, because you can't believe the Candyman, I guess. And if Trickster. you can't believe the Candyman, who can you believe? Um, <laughs> he basically wants to be together with Helen forever, right? Now, the whole thing of him burning in the fire, that's how he was, I guess, you know, finally disposed of disposed of right uh originally and helen's uh original self past life self was pregnant so it would have been Candyman, helen and the unborn baby so i guess oh, for whatever shit so for whatever you know thing he thought was going on he needed the baby he needed helen and he needed himself 
And I guess, like, if he got off the trifecta there, the Candyman trifecta, I guess he would have been happy. He would have been complete in his terror reign or whatever. But Damn. instead, he only got Helen, technically. <laughs> so I that makes sense to me now. Like, I get, I get, but, like, the ending and, like, why, like, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I do like her all burnt up. That was kind of cool. Well, like, well, actually, wait. Wait, so I think if she is burnt with him, they're tied together forever. Then, then forever, because he's holding her in there. Like, he's trying to, like, yeah. keep her in there. So I guess maybe her, the baby, and him would be together forever. The family he where, lost. Yeah, where she escapes and dies outside. And I guess that's why she ends up being almost like her own Candyman-type character. She's holding the hook at the end. She doesn't have a hook for a hand and she's all burnt up and shit. So I guess that's why she's like her own thing. I love know? this. I love the scene after that where it's her funeral and like the only people there are like her fucking douchebag Trevor and like, you know, that other professor dude. And then like the entire fucking Cabrini like green, uh, like, you know, apartment complex comes down and all of them are marching down with the little fucking kid he has the fucking candy man hook and he throws it on top of the casket to her dude oh it's such a great scene dude i no, love that you you left out the best part he throws the hook uh, into the grave it hits the casket when it hits the casket they do a shot from inside the casket to her dead body her face like the dead all, face yeah, laying all there. charred up oh my god it dude. is really good so well that's the whole thing that they paid respects to her she she saved the baby she really killed the she helped kill the candy man yeah, basically they know what right? she they were did free for them. yeah they were free from that curse after that and but not free from the curse for her, altogether <laughs> yeah unfortunately for her she lives on as the candy man's protege candy woman and uh trevor at the end her douchebag husband is all distraught and stuff and says her name five times into the mirror and what happens helen Man. comes back just fucking cuts him with that fucking hook there is <laughs> nothing more that i wanted when i'm watching this movie than for that motherfucker to be gutted like a fish the entire time like i want him to shit. i want him to die so much in this movie that when it finally happens you could take away all the Candyman shit. It could just be a movie about this piece of shit treating Helen so bad while she's having a psychotic breakdown and her killing the motherfucker. And I would still be like, dude, this movie ruled. Fuck yeah. Fuck Trevor. <laughs> Do you know it's a part we didn't talk about? Well, we only talked about half of it. When Helen goes into that bathroom and finds the toilet bowl full of like shit and bees. Oh, that bathroom and, is gnarly. And that like the gang guy comes in and goes, So you're looking for Candyman, bitch? Yeah. Who are you looking for Candyman, bitch? Bam! And fucking hits yeah. it with the hook. But but what makes it even fu like it, I, it's not really funny, but to me it was funny when they go and do like the fucking lineup <laughs> line in the up. police station and he's making all the guys say it. And so you hear like multiple people going, You're looking for Candyman, bitch? Yeah. 
I hear you're looking for candy, candy man, man, bitch. Man, bitch. <laughs> Dude, what motherfucker would ever say that relatively close to how you originally said it? Oh my I'd god! Like, I'd be like, I'd be like, so you're looking for yeah. candy man? Ah, bitch? Hey, looking for candy man, there, bitch. <laughs> it's like, it's like, how I talk. See, I don't know. <laughs> Like, come on. I always oh, thought that shit was God. so what funny a, when they did dude, that. Dude, what a scene. That guy is dressed like fucking, like, in like 90s fucking, like, cool mode D type fucking, you know. He looked Nate like the, the fucking, uh, he looked like the, the black version of the vampire from Fright Night. It's what he fucking looked like. <laughs> like Jerry Dandridge. <laughs> but he had the hook for some reason. Why the fuck did he have the hook? He's all about that image, that? dude. Which I did. I, okay, I did like that that whole story of that character being like, oh, he was like, he was a gang boss who was using the urban legend to strike fear into like everybody in the community. So he was the candy man and like, he was doing really fucking horrible shit and like, you know, but as a gang boss type of thing. So I did like that aspect of it. It was kind of a cool twist on the story. And that was the whole thing that like, they all thought that she was a cop, right? She yeah, thought 100%. these people were cops and stuff. <laughs> so that's why probably, he, <laughs> yeah. So that's probably why he tried to scare her away, right? They didn't kill her. They just fucking beat her in the head with the hook. Right, like, and they're right. Like, worse shit could have happened in that situation, but maybe oh, because yeah. they thought she was a cop, she would have stayed away after that. But, dude, what a fucking character! Under underrated character in the Candyman series, the fake Candyman. The fake Candyman, yeah. <laughs> Short lived, but so powerful in what he did. Oh my god, dude! So much cool shit in this fucking movie. I, I really, I highly, highly recommend anybody watch this if you haven't. It's legitimately a horror classic. You obviously have heard of the character, the Candyman. It is on the same level as your Freddy, as your Jason, as your Pinhead. Dude, Clive Barker's got two of them. Motherfucker. Yeah, I know. Dude, what a guy. What a guy. He's doing it. Oh, man. Yeah, he's actually, he's got a couple, dude, especially with fucking Nightbreed. But, um, dude. What, what, just give me your final thoughts on this movie. I feel like it's just, we said a lot. There's a lot more that you could say about it, but it really is worth just watching yourself. This is like a, it's kind of a, a weird movie in my horror relationship thing. Cause it's kind of a movie that I constantly forget about where I'm always like, oh yeah, Candyman exists. Like I've seen it a, a million times and it's like, just like, oh yeah, it's Candyman. But every time that I come back and I rewatch it, I'm, I walk away from it being like, God damn, like Candyman is such a good movie. It's so much deeper than like, uh, oh, a cut him up fucking slasher. Like, you know, Jason chasing fucking teenagers through the woods and shit. It's got so much more depth and so much more going on for it than that. And, it, and man, like, I can't say enough good things about it. I think that the, uh, the soundtrack by Glass is, is incredible. It adds this like beauty, but like haunting beauty over top of this urban landscape that just really kind of like meshes together to create a really heavy vibe throughout the entire film. Um, I could, I could, I could say so many good things about it, man. This, this is truly one of like the ten out of ten films that you're gonna get out of me. Yeah, this movie fucking rules. Go watch it. It's free on Tubi. Oh, you can nice. go watch it. Yeah, you can just stream it. It's free. Um, or you can buy it. The tape is cheap. The DVD is cheap. The Blu-ray is probably cheap. It is. There's there's a reboot out there. Uh, it continues the story. It is not um, 
It's not a reboot, actually. It's yeah, it's not a remake. It's a continuation, basically, and it, it takes place in the same timeline, like the same time frame that's passed, which I think is cool. Um, I'm not a big fan uh, of like the writers and directors of a lot of the stuff that they've done, so I, I'm not expecting too much. But I've heard some pretty good things so far. Yeah, so far I've heard that it's fucking awesome. We'll have to see what Anthony says. Maybe he went and saw it. Uh, but definitely go watch this shit. We want to know what you have to say about Candyman. Let me know what you think about the sequels, because I'm a fan of most of them. Um, they're pretty good. They're watchable. I don't know if they're as available, but the tapes are cheap, at least. You can buy the tapes really cheap, and the DVDs really cheap. And you could probably buy one of those, like, four, you know, four movies on one disc. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how they go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could probably find that pretty fucking cheap. But uh, yeah, go watch Candyman. Let us know what you think. And we're going to head over to the video Dropbox. All right, we're back in the video Dropbox, and next week is a very special week for us here at the Bad Taste Video Podcast. It's going to be Mr. Grizz's birthday yeah, show. Grizz's choice. Yeah, so I said, you know what? For once, I'm going to actually take what you have to say <laughs> into consideration. Oh, my goodness. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just trying to sound tough on the radio here. Um, but I said, Grizz, we could do whatever you want, man. What the fuck do you want to watch for your birthday? And you actually kind of shocked me with uh, your pick for next week's movie. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know. It's something that I just kind of sparked me when I was looking at my shelf that, like, it's something that I watched all the time with my dad growing up. And I decided that for my birthday episode, we are going to watch the 1984 trauma classic, The Toxic Avenger. A literal classic of epic proportions yeah, yeah. dude cra <laughs> like a crazy amount of merchandise came from this movie kids um, toys tons of sequels kids toys came from dude, this movie dude, dude wasn't there I a love fucking cartoon it. was there yes, a cartoon there was a cartoon right? i like dude toxic avenger in my childhood were so intertwined i had all the fucking toys the guy came with the mop and shit Man, I love fucking Toxie growing up. So this was Dude, this, this was kind of a no-brainer for me. Yeah, I'm I'm extremely pumped to watch this movie. I don't know how many people have actually ever watched this because I feel like it's one of those movies where everybody knows about it, but how many people have sat down and watch this movie you're because like, i gotta say fuck? dude it is <laughs> it, it, you will say what the fuck at least a hundred times in yeah, this movie absolutely Just like like crazy shit after crazy shit let's hit the trailer and we'll talk a little bit more about it meet little melvin he's a 90 pound weakling Everyone hated Melvin. Yeah, I'm gonna take this mop and shove it down your throat. They teased him. I wanna do it with you. Okay. They taunted him. They tormented him until he had a horrifying accident and fell into a vat of nuclear waste. 
transforming little Melvin into a hideously deformed creature of superhuman size and strength. Melvin became the Toxic Avenger. The first superhero born out of nuclear waste. Holy shit! I don't know what it was, but it saved my life. Drop your tacos or I'll blow your brains out! The vandals and the perverts had their way with the little people of Tromaville until the Toxic Avenger ripped them apart. The Toxic Avenger. His face is so terrifying. We can't show it to you now. You'll have to see the movie for yourself. The Toxic Avenger can bend steel with his bare hands. Oh, we're all kid. Get it? Leap small cars in a single bound. He crushes drug pushers. Smashes hit and run drivers. For incredible explosive action, you must see the Toxic Avenger. He's a different kind of hero. The Toxic Avenger is coming to your town. Look out. Yeah, it's it's just insane. Early trauma stuff is peak trauma stuff. Mitch right? Cohen, this is, man. Mitch Cohen is, is a fucking icon. I love it. Dude, this shit is just fucking insane. This movie is the best of the franchise, right? Another one where the first one is legitimately the best. Yeah. This is like, I'm not even going to lie. Like, I'm not a big trauma guy. There's only maybe two or three trauma films I really enjoy. This is number one. This is the best. What What's your favorite trauma movie besides this one? Bloodhook. Bloodhook, really? 100% Bloodhook. I fucking love that movie. Dude, it's class of oh yeah, class of Newcomb High is probably my favorite. Yeah, it's another good one. Uh, that's definitely up there. It's I had to think totally about watchable. There's a lot um, of unwatchable trauma stuff. That's for sure. Do you like Do you like Trauma's War? Uh, not as much. No. You don't uh, really find that one entertaining. Nah, Poultry Geist. I don't care for Tromeo and Juliet. Never got into that kind of stuff. Not a Tromeo and Juliet guy, but Poultry Geist. I can watch that one. I bought that one when it first it's, came out. It's silly. I enough. liked it. Night of the, what is it? Night of the fucking chicken dead. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> ridiculous. Oh my well, you know what? There's a lot of like early trauma stuff that I don't even know if it's cons- well, I guess Lloyd Kaufman stuff. That like is it really considered trauma stuff at that time? Yeah, it's it's hard to be like what actually was a trauma made film because they bought the rights to so much. Like I don't think Bloodhook was like honestly a true trauma made film. It might have been. I don't really know, but I know it was distributed by them, so I attributed them to them. But man, like yeah, like you're right. There's just the catalog is so vast that it's like what what exactly did they have a hand in and not? There's there's just so much fucking shit. Terror firmer. You ever see that one? Do you like that one? No, I haven't seen that no. one. I can't imagine. No. Uh, that's something we, we may cover that one. You might actually like that. That one might, might be down the road. Uh, that's a 90s trauma film that is pretty... You, you might you might actually like it. But we will be going to, you know, the absolute best, the cream right. of the crop, the Toxic Avenger. Love it. Finally. We're going to finally do it. So, Grizz, where could they find you on the internet? 
You can find me on Instagram at Kane underscore enabler. And you can find me at Bad Taste Video, and you can find everything we do at www.badtastevideo.com. Please subscribe to our feed, give us five stars, leave us a good rating, good review, wherever the fuck you listen. It really helps us out. We are coming up to our spooky season. We're actually starting to get our uh, schedule in order here. We were talking about it before the episode. Yeah, it sounds we think fun. You guys, yeah, we think you guys are going to really like it. We're going to overload you with bullshit this year. So uh, <laughs> get ready. Get ready for some, uh, for some good shit. We're going to give you... Uh, maybe you know what i we're gonna give you some extremely mainstream stuff and some not so mainstream It'll stuff be a good mix we're gonna overload but, you with these episodes but, yeah but they're gonna be mixed you know the episodes are gonna have a little bit of both right so you're not gonna have to sit through fucking you know one thing if you're five, into five, the other five, like last week yeah, oh, wow. <laughs> we're gonna make you watch some fucking good shit this year it's gonna be great Hall- our halloween season is gonna be fucking awesome it's gonna be filled yes we're excited with tapes about it. that you wish you had how about that um grizz anything else you want to say no as i get off my fun. vhs high horse yeah i love candy man <laughs> fucking everybody go out and watch this and then go uh and spend money at the theater to watch the new one because the industry yeah. deserves to be supported yeah do it Go see it. Let us know what you think. Uh, we hopefully, maybe, I, I probably won't go to the theater to see this, but, uh, you know, maybe when it's on demand, I will. So we will see you next week with The Toxic Avenger and a slightly older Grizz. <laughs> <laughs>